You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now... Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about who's funding ISIS and are we heading towards a war with Russia. Now, we've visited this subject uh, from different aspects uh, over the years. Back in October of 2014, we had an article entitled, Who Funds ISIL Mystery Army? And there also was a podcast, and we'll have links to that if anybody wants to go back and uh, read those articles and uh, listen to our podcast on the subject. But there's so much going on here with the new president and what's going on in Syria. And we, the Americans, say we're fighting against ISIS. The Russians say they're fighting against uh, ISIS. But we seem to be fighting along with the rebels that are fighting against Syria, and then we've seen a recent campaign starting to vilify Bashar al-Assad, the president of Syria. So there's a lot of things swirling around here, and so um, we're going to have Chuck talk about this subject. So we'll start out here by asking the question, Chuck, who is funding ISIS, the Mystery Army? Tom, our government is very good at tracking down intelligence We have massive intelligence services. We hear about it all the time. And the reason we ask that question is no one else asks it. Our government should have long ago been asking the question if they didn't know the answer of who funds ISIS. Instead, we've had a constant barrage of silly excuses about ISIS doesn't need funding because they're so intelligent, and ISIS does not need funding because they raid the local farmers and so on. And all of this is nonsense. We all know that ISIS is an army. It has modern equipment. It has fleets of pickup trucks that drive across the desert. It has uh, modern weapons, some of which have been confiscated from the United States stockpiles in Iraq. So ISIS has plenty of wherewithal. Furthermore, ISIS is an international organization. Everyone complains about ISIS recruiting young people in their area. Uh, ISIS does recruit. And, of course, if you recruit people to do a job, you have to pay them. ISIS has no seeming problem in paying literally thousands of so-called recruits who they get from all over the world who go in and learn to fight these ideological wars against, it turns out, against us. So the question begs an answer that we really shouldn't have to answer ourselves. Our leaders should have told us long ago, who funds ISIS. We can only include, since they don't talk about it, and since they seem to want to keep it secret, that they either know and don't want to tell us or they're doing it themselves. We're not the only ones. A organization that we listen to and read quite frequently called Critical Thinking, which is going to be posted in this broadcast, has said that over, over and over again that ISIS is funded somehow by the West or by the United States war establishment. And the logical link, of course, to provide the funding 
is Saudi Arabia, which is supposed to be our great ally, but always seems to come up being against the other Arab countries in the Middle East. And, of course, and we've written in the past about the very great similarities between the religion of ISIS and the religion of Saudi Arabia. So to answer your question, we, of course, don't know, but we know somebody has to know, and it's being kept from us. That is the real issue here. Why is the funding of ISIS being uh, being hidden from us? Chuck, one of the things I'm reminded, this is kind of a little bit off track here, but I just happened to go through some papers, and I found this thing from the CIA. It's a it's about Guatemala in 1954, and it talks about the uh, CIA's involvement in overthrowing the democratically elected government there. And we've seen this in countless countries all over the world, actually. In 1953, of course, there was Iran. And 50 years later, uh, even in the case of Iran, the, the CIA admits it. And so we've seen meddling by the United States in places, and even in Syria there is evidence that there was uh, meddling before the revolution started in Syria. So we, as you pointed out, have very excellent intelligence services. And so it begs the question is, why do we seem so dumb, or is this just a, a plan? I mean, if you look at Donald Trump, who uh, claims to be against ISIS, well, you know, what's going on here? Is he being deceived by the intelligence services or what? In response to that, Tom, it is very clear that the United States government has schizophrenia in Syria. They have come out openly against the Assad government, and they have been behind a lot of the propaganda campaigns that have been targeted the Assad government. So our government is admittedly opposing both the Assad government and the largest and most powerful force that is, support, that is against the Assad government, which is ISIS. So which side are we really against, Syria or ISIS? And since we say so little about ISIS and so much more about the evils of the Syrian government, it's pretty clear to me that the U.S. government is really on the side of ISIS and they're simply pretending to be against it. What the U.S. government claims it's fighting against is it's fighting against other groups that are opposing Assad. But they're actually supporting groups that are opposing Assad. Chuck, I want to remind people that from the emails leaked last year with uh, Podesta and Hillary Clinton, where Hillary Clinton said that our allies, Saudi Arabia and Qatar, were funding ISIS with state funds. And so we, and the government obviously and these agencies had to know that was going on if Hillary Clinton knew that was going on. So that even adds more uh, uh, in, into the mix here. And you'll want to talk about this notion that you came up with the acronym, the USUSG, the United States unelected supra-government is what we're having, and in some cases we're seeing competition between the different agencies here, and maybe that's causing some of this fluff that we're seeing here. Yes, and so then it comes down to who is our government. I think we can leave the subject of who funds ISIS and say that the United States is either funding ISIS directly or our best allies, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, 
and uh, a few other of the uh, unelected Arab states, let's say, are doing it. For our money, that's how it's happening until somebody convinces me otherwise. So then the question is, why? And of course, uh, it's regime change all over again. As you pointed out, there have been regime changes in other countries. We are now in our fifth or sixth country in the Middle East. It happens to be all of these countries that were changing the regime. They had long-going stable regimes who basically stayed in power for a period of time, like the Assad government. And what's happening is we're replacing them with fragmented governments, such as in Iraq, where nobody even knows who's governing Iraq, and it's almost broken up into a bunch of fragments now. And that begs the question of who benefits from all this? Yes. Of course, oil is a big part of, of it, if you, and of course, the state of Israel is very much implicated in this. Our program tonight is not about the state of Israel because they d usually don't take active part in these bombings. They hide in the sidelines, but they are part of our ally in the Middle East, along with, uh, we mentioned Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and others, and Israel is absolutely part of that. However, it seems that they're allowed to hide out so that they never get blamed for any of this. But right. that doesn't mean they're not involved. You're right. My point was they benefit, although they've yes, done uh, attacks in Syria. Absolutely. And to make a simple point, years ago, Israel was able to capture part of Syria called the Golan Heights. It is Israel's water supply, basically. It's a mountainous region that actually has water. Israel doesn't have any. And they're able, by capturing that, they're able to control the water that comes down to the major cities, some of them. And Israel has been able to firm up and even expand its hold on Syrian territory while all of this warning is going on. So they're not innocently in the background. They are very busy, uh, but they're doing it very surreptitiously. Critical thinking, who we've quoted, defines who rules. Uh, they have their own definition. They use the term the structural elite. So it's a very good term when you think about it, structural elite. It means structure is what it's all about. Power comes from structure, and elite means they're previously established, and they don't change. And they define, critical thinking defines that as uh, the structural elite comprised of banking, industrial dynasties, European royalty, those in charge of military industrial materials, media academic complex, and the political and economic predators and the super rich. So they have a broad categorization of who the structural elite is. And in their definition, of course, this is an international thing rather than American structural elite. And of course, we can think of that including Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Company, maybe Wells Fargo might even be part of it now. They've done so well. And then it goes on into the arms makers, and we all know who they, they are, who they benefit from the wars. It goes on into the super rich families who have so much money that money is just not even an object to them. And they have political power as, as a result of their history. And so uh, this definition, the structural elite, is not a bad definition. Others have called them the insiders. You've heard that term. We still hear it. The neocons. That was applied very recently to the warmongering faction that led the neocon revolution that, that started all of this uh, destruction in the Middle East. Then there's a, a modern guy. His name is Steve Bannon. 
Uh, he was a big supporter of Donald Trump. He heads up a department for Donald Trump. He used to uh, run Breitbart News, and he has termed this group the administrative state. And he suggests that this administrative state is a power beyond politics, that is a state of its own. And they administrate from behind the scene, from the FBI, the CIA, and other such organizations. He's pledged to get to the bottom of the administrative state. We'll see how that works out. So this is Glenn. I was just commenting about Steve Bannon as well. He is still involved in the government. He uh, is a very controversial figure, but he has been kind of pushed to the side because of uh, Ivanka Trump and her husband, Jared Kushner. They have opposite ideas. Ivanka and Jared are more liberal, more uh, middle of the line, whereas Steve Bannon is pretty far right wing. And he's getting pushed out by the closeness of Ivanka to Donald, in her opinion, is making more and more, more and more control in the government. And I think Jared Kushner may be driving Ivanka. It's hard to see how that'll all play out. Uh, I really like what Steve Bannon has said in the news that he's going to dismantle the administrative state, which is fully in line with what all we're talking about here, try, trying to fight against. If we can get rid of that administrative state, the unelected supra government, that would be good for everything. Glenn, I agree with you. The very fact that uh, someone would bring up the existence of a supra government over and above the elected government is very unusual in our time. Yes, we bring it up. Yes, the people we read bring it up. But they don't get their say in the administrative chambers. So the fact that some appointed guy would even broach the subject that there is a super government is news to most Americans. Most Americans don't know that there is any. They feel something's wrong. Uh, that's what they're revolting against. But they don't really know what it is or how it works or where it's centered. So we'll see what uh, Mr. Bannon comes up with. And we hope that he does do something. Because anything to expose these superpower governments, superstructure governments over and above our elected systems is very positive. And we would want to encourage that even if we don't trust the people involved. And we sometimes don't have reason. Well, I guess our last question here, uh, Chuck, is that we didn't really address is, are we headed towards a war with Russia? All these uh, actions here that we're seeing, uh, we've butted heads with Russia in Syria and even attack their planes. And so a war with Russia is something that we really don't want. Yes, we, of course, uh, are in a serial war. We've described that in the past, but they're against inferior foes that can't hold a candle to us militarily or economically. Little countries that we can crush like a peanut. And that includes Syria, of course. We have, if, we, if we're open about it, we could destroy Syria in a, in a day or a week and leave it desolate, as we have Iraq. We're now in about the sixth country, if you count uh, the country of Sudan that's been overthrown. And all of these were targeted at one time or another by leaders of the supra, unelected supra-government. Now Russia's name is popping up. And what this is all about is very simply that Russia stepped in seeing the hypocrisy of our war to defend Syria against ISIS, when in fact we were actually sponsoring ISIS, Russia has stepped in and they have started to systematically defeat ISIS. 
At least they're systematically throttling it. And Syria is going to win the war if Russia continues. So now all of a sudden we have the U.S. throwing threats out. Interestingly enough, Donald Trump has not engaged in those threats. He has taken the other side and actually taken, done measures that are getting him criticized for being too friendly toward Russia. When our elected supergov is doing everything they possibly can to bring about conflict. You may notice in the news media, and what happens is our news media knows how to not ask the hard question, and they know how to say the right little adjectives in describing uh, countries. And the one they use with Russia, of course, is adversarial. So Russia, you'll hear, hear the media all the time saying Russia is adversarial to the United States. We don't know why that is. We don't know of any adversarial things Russia is doing, except, of course, they're against ISIS. And if we're for ISIS, then that would make us an adversary. The question is, are we forcing toward war? This leads to an, another topic that's extremely important, and that is how these wars are financed and how the U.S. war machine keeps going. If you follow the business news, there is a constant concern about whether or not the U.S. economy can be kept going. And if our media was to be fair about this and ask the question properly, they would say, can the U.S. economy be kept growing without another major war? Because as the wars disappear and begin to throttle down, the economic system begins to have to live without war. It has always been a fact of life. My mom told me when I was 15 years old, wars are always followed by depressions. That's how it used to be. We now have a system where instead of a depression, each war is followed by another war. And that war puts off the next recession until the next war comes along. So now we're facing the possibility of a need of not just another little skirmish, but perhaps a super war to keep the economy from collapsing so we can continue to support the military industrial complex. This is what we're actually facing now. And it's very interesting that Donald Trump is popping up, seemingly taking the side of Russia. The question that we need to know is, is he just kidding us? And he's going to fall in line with the military industrial complex, the U.S. unelected supergov, the insiders, or is Donald Trump serious? Does he actually see the need for peace? And if we do, does see the need for peace, the peace, the need to get along with what could be an adversary, Russia, and who seems to be very willing to talk? That's our question of the day. And well, I don't know if we can come to a conclusion here or not. Time will tell, but people do not understand this notion of the unelected supergovernment and that wars have been scientifically financed through the mechanisms of the Federal Reserve System instituted in 1913. So we also are seeing the uh, national debt rising exponentially to the tune of $20 trillion. And so the question is, can we sustain that? Chuck, I would like to make one comment. I really agree with what you said, that our intelligence service is so good that we know where ISIS is getting their funding. I mean, that's, that is absolutely crazy and ludicrous that the, the idea is that we don't know how this army is becoming mobilized. I mean, that's it's, it's incredible. So thank you for bringing that one up. Uh, Tom, there's one bit of unfinished 
question okay. that was raised here, and that is the issue of the Federal Reserve and how they do it. And one of our listeners asked that question. Is it possible for the Federal Reserve to do that? There's a lot of interesting stuff coming out of the Federal Reserve right now. Perhaps we should answer that question next time. Yes, I think that we could, we could speak directly on that because it is not understood very well. I mean, most people don't even realize that it's a private entity. It's not a government agency. That's one of the first things, you know, in alternative investigations that it is a banking cabal made up of international bankers. And so they've been able to scientifically uh, control these booms and busts. So that certainly would make a, a good topic. And there are a lot of good resources on this subject. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.